Hi, it's Michael, the host of Impact Hustlers. And before we dive into today's episode, I'd like to ask you for a favor. If you get any value out of the episode today, please consider sharing it with a friend who would benefit from it. Or leave us a review on your favorite podcasting app. We're an independent podcast and are investing a lot of time and effort in publishing inspiring new episodes every week. We can only do this because of people who support us. And now there is an easy way to do so. You can give us a small tip or a regular donation to make sure we can keep going. Every penny is invested into making the podcast even bigger and better. And you can do so on buymeacoffee.com slash impact hustlers buymeacoffee.com slash impact hustlers thanks very much for your support thanks for listening and let's get into the show impact hustlers the podcast on entrepreneurs and change makers that are creating solutions to the world's biggest problems impact hustlers is brought to you by fast forward 2030 and real changers visit fastforward.com to learn how to include the global goals into your business model and realchangers.com to find talent and careers with impact and this is your host michael shafrat In today's episode, I talk to Solvega Packsteiter, founder and director of Mimica. Mimica has developed a smart expiry label for food products that can replace the expiry dates on food items such as milk and other dairy products. With the solution, Mimica is tackling the problem of food waste, with 1.9 million tons of food going to waste in the UK alone every year. In many cases, this is due to food being thrown away because the expiry date was reached. However, the food is still perfectly fine. Mimica has received various awards, such as the James Dyson Award, and is winning awards almost on a weekly basis, it seems, um, and signed also their first customers to test out a product. So it's great to have you on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Pleasure to be here. Um, you started Mimica as a personal, pa personal passion project. That's at least what I heard in one of your pitches. Um, can you talk us through how that happened? How did it all start? And what did you have back then in terms of product or idea? How did you start out? Uh, sure. I went to university to study industrial design because I was interested in how I could use this discipline to improve the everyday life of people. And I came across this area of design called inclusive design. So for anyone who doesn't know what that is, before inclusive design, the thinking was designed for disability. So most people would use one design, and then if you had a certain disability, you'd use design B, C, or D. And that has lots of different problems associated with it, which I won't go into now, but inclusive design has a focus on designing products. It's the thinking that if you make something easy enough for someone to, with a certain disability to use, you make it even easier for people without that disability to use it. So it's just a really good lens through which to create better design with. So... I'm explaining this because this is actually how I got inspired to do to do Mimica. So um, I was working uh, for six months between my second and final year for a charity called Guide Dogs for the Blind Association, and they were we were looking at public transportation and 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 the issues that visually impaired people might have with public transportation. So during the six months, I kind of was asking them all sorts of questions and I, it gave me an opportunity to to be kind of nosy about like issues that they might have and, or the way they might do state things. So one of the questions I ended up asking was, how do you know when your food spoils? 
And it turned out that they didn't have a really good way of determining this. So uh, what that meant was is that they were actually buying foods that were canned or like processed or ready meals just because they didn't want to bear that risk. And it was actually affecting their health. So I wanted to go back to my final year at university and study this problem a bit further. But what I quickly found is actually that we're all kind of blind to when our food really goes off. And that's actually why we're wasting so so much. And it's actually a universal problem, not just a problem that people with visually impaired uh, visual impairment have. So that's what got me thinking about this. And, and uh, I was initially inspired by the thought of an old banana. So an old banana, you know, its skin changes, it turns brown and spotty and and whatever. And and you just know it's getting older. And I just wondered whether our packaging could do the same thing to let us know about when our food is truly going to spoil. So I collaborated with a chemist on campus and we made the first prototypes for what is now Mimica Touch. And it's a label that tells you exactly when food spoils and it turns texture to tell you that. So it's smooth when the food is fresh and bumpy when it's no longer good for consumption. So um, I filed for a patent just before graduating, not because I wanted to start a business, but because I had some leftover scholarship money and I just thought it'd be cool to learn about patents. So I never thought I'd be using that patent today. And then, uh, I mean, after university, I, I decided to enter the idea into some competitions because, you know, why not? And uh, the James Dyson Award was the first one that I won. And, and the reaction to that was kind of crazy. So the first company to reach out to me to see if we can do something together with Coca-Cola for their juices, which was completely crazy. They were saying to me, you know, like, oh, you know, how can we work together with you? And I'm like, what are you talking about? This is literally my university project. I'm trying to apply for jobs, leave me alone. <laughs> so... <laughs> I just, I mean, I just wondered like, and I, and then uh, other retailers started getting in touch with me and other food producers. So I just wondered what would happen if I keep going to these meetings and, you know, a few years later, I'm still going to those meetings and I've got an actual company. So almost entrepreneur by accident. You, yeah. Almost. Absolutely. Started yeah. as a designer. And did you take a conscious decision at some point is like, okay, I'm actually ready to, you know, be an entrepreneur, build a company around this rather than just have it and in, in, invented this this thing right you know the first year that I was kind of after you know find uh, winning this award and and um uh, I had some useful mentors getting in touch and wanting to help me and and they helped me like apply for some grants and and we kind of won all the grant funding that we were applying for and I was like wow people really are like interested in solving this problem it's not just like my personal interest and that's what kind of convinced me that there could be something bigger here um uh, I think for the first year, I was kind of in denial that I was running a business or starting a business. I kind of just continued to go to meetings. I have to say, like, I lacked direction for what I was trying to get done. And then what really helped is joining a structured accelerator program where I had to go to meetings every week and tell my mentor what on earth I'd been doing. And I think that's what made me realize that I need to employ people to actually make this happened because there's no way with the vision that I was talking to and me just being on my own, it just didn't match up. So um, I think before that, I was scared of employing people because I didn't want to bring people into my mess. But then, you know, my mess isn't even going to happen if like I don't take it anywhere. So I think that was a big step for me making my first hire. And now it's not just you, obviously, uh, you 
you have a team based here in London, right? Yeah, that's so right. So it's seven of us in, in, in the team and then we work with some freelancers as well uh, on the product side. So yeah, it's uh, really exciting. Amazing journey. Um, how big is the problem you're actually solving? I mentioned the 1.9 million that I found somewhere, but like, how big is this problem of people not knowing whether the food expired? Is there any number you can quantify this with? Or I mean, probably most of us know this problem intuitively yeah. yeah but i mean 60 percent of the food that we throw away in the uk is still perfectly edible so that really kind of points to expiry dates and uh, if food waste were a country it'd be the third largest producer of greenhouse gases in the world after china and the us so that just gives you an idea of how damaging this problem is it's not just like the resources and that you're throwing away it's actually like the methane gases that are produced by food rotting that are incredibly damaging to our environment so uh, and it just seems wrong when like when there's so many people who are living in food poverty that we're wasting food that could have been enjoyed otherwise. When you first started out, you mentioned you co collaborated with a uh, um, chemical engineer or a chemist? Chemist. Uh, chemist inside the uh, university. So obviously you're not just solving an environmental problem, but a engineering and design problem and from outside at least it seems like a very tricky one to solve right uh, it seems like almost a bit science fiction to me so how do you go about this when you first started like how much time spent did you spend on this or was this something that you kind of could develop quite quickly and then go to market with yeah so not actually being a scientist myself I was relying very much on the expertise that I could find around me so while that while I was at university was working with this um, scientist and actually the way I happened upon like maybe solving this problem is because because I was actually just describing to him this mad idea of, of this packaging changing texture when food spoils and it, just through kind of coincidence he before joining the university had worked at Kodak for 30 years as a as a scientist then his job was actually to uh, he was working on gelatin film printing And his job was to make the film stop expiring because like obviously it's a it's a foodstuff gelatin and, and that's what they were making the prints out of. And so he his whole career was spent trying to keep it stable. And so when I was asking him what material can I use that like naturally degrades at the same rate as food? And he was like, well, I've got a great one for you. It was like the bane of my career. Why don't you try gelatin? And it's actually a really interesting material because it's a waste byproduct from the um, meat industry. Uh, so there's like a huge surplus of it. It has all these unique and amazing properties. It's actually an incredible material from like a material science perspective. And um, so I just started playing around with its properties. Like there's actually a little bit of literature available on the ways that you can uh, manipulate it. And I was able to demonstrate something very basic by the end of my, my final year. But, you know, these days we have a, a lab up in, up in Chester that we, we've partnered with and they have expertise in, in the area of hydrocolloids, which is the fancy word for gels. And uh, yeah, a, a team, a science team working on it uh, every week, all day. So it's, it's an area of science, like using gels to copy the way that food spoils has never been done before this area of science does not exist so we've kind of been creating a new area of science which is why it's taking so long like I graduated with this idea four and a half years ago so it's only just now that we're getting ready to show something to market and um and uh, actually we've moved like we're moving away from gelatin gels as well like we're looking at plant-based gels as well because that's not going to be gelatins um not going to be suitable for everyone so really exciting work that we're doing so yeah it's certainly taken a, a long time mm. 
Mm. And now basically it's a sticker that goes on top of a product and that expires at the same rate as the product inside the packaging, right? Or like produces signs of expiry where I can then feel if the product expired. Is that right, roughly? Yeah, I mean, we have two formats. Uh, so the the one that most people will know is just the label that you can stick onto any existing packaging. And uh, more recently, we've been working on a cap integration for products like milk uh, and juice things like that and and actually with the cap version the label is activated as the consumer opens the package for the first time like twists off the cap so that's a really some cool mechanism work that our product team has been doing and um just kind of we've continued to we haven't just stopped at the idea that i had i first had we've it's actually moved on along like a really long way from the original idea that i had and i think it's really important to to keep innovating and, and not just get stuck on that original idea You said you got a lot of positive feedback even after winning the award without even kind of having set it up as a company back then. But what were some of the challenges you had to overcome in terms of, you know, companies actually being able to use this at scale? Like what were some of the challenges or that you did overcome or you're still trying to overcome to make this really a mass product? Um, there are two main things that I can think of. So the first is that it's... Um I think it's the perception that actually waste is a good thing for the industry and for like that consumers waste a lot. But actually what what we we know is that if you uh, reduce the waste in, in the production and, and also in, in consumers' homes, in production, obviously, that's a good thing for bottom lines because you need to produce less product to sell the same amount. Uh, and also what what happens when you in increase shelf life, which is what effectively we're doing. We're kind of showing people how long they can actually use their food, which is much longer than what expiry dates say, because the way that those are calculated is that they have an actual built-in buffer, uh, assuming that you're going to keep the food out of the fridge for too long. And so when you are able to extend the shelf life to when food actually lasts, people buy more. So they They'll buy a larger pack size because they have the confidence to do that. They'll buy two when they were just going to buy one or they just buy one when they weren't going to buy any at all. And uh, and that's good for food producers. And likewise for consumers, if they waste less and that there's a brand that's helping them do that and save money, they're going to be more loyal to that brand and that's good for that business in turn. So that whole narrative around like that, our, the waste basket is our best friend, it, like it's a really toxic way of thinking and we're doing our best to kind of end that. But The reality is that we're going into meetings and we're kind of educating the companies that we're trying to sell into that this is like a false narrative. So that's been a huge challenge. And uh, and the other one has just been like being able to show that just the costing, that, that the return on investment that's going to work out for them and, and demonstrating to them that at scale, like this is this is how much it's going to cost. This is how much you're going to save. And uh, and we've been really lucky that um, I brought into, into the company experts in the smart packaging field who have uh, run and sold successful smart packaging businesses in the past and we can actually point to their data that they have so uh, before we had pilot to pilot information of our of our own we could point to kind of really credible market information so you're not making just an environmental impact but obviously also an economical one on, on the companies using the label uh, and positive economical impact with actually allowing customers to Uh, well, having a longer shelf life and enabling customers to buy buy that milk even absolutely, even absolutely. Perfect. So, I mean, wastage is always going to be bad business, isn't it? Absolutely, perfect. 
you signed your first few customers and uh, I don't know which ones you can talk about, but can, can you talk about any of those or any of the experiences that you collected through it, maybe even without mentioning them? So um, we started doing some pilot projects last year in the dairy industry. So uh, the first thing that our customers, potential customers wanted to know is uh, what the consumer reaction would be. So uh, we did some really interesting work run by a market research company to test. We did run some focus groups, kind of introduced them to um, the label and, and got their reaction and then and then went on to take those key insights and kind of quantify them with like uh, large surveys. And what we found is that uh, indeed that if if shelf life, longer shelf life can be demonstrated scientifically, that people would be confident to buy more. So um, that was good that we were able to demonstrate that. And the really interesting piece for us was that people, the majority of people said that if the brand that they use already would choose to start using the Mimic Attach label on it, they would remain loyal to that brand. And then even more interestingly, and even a bit surprising to us, um, if a, a brand that they don't normally buy would start using Mimic Attach, they would actually switch to that brand because the kind of assurance of and food safety and, and the worries around that are much more prominent than 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 other factors so being able to show these this data to our new potential customers has been uh, incredibly powerful so that's the kind of piloting we've we were focusing on last year and then this year we're going to be focusing more on uh, in-store pilots and and we've kind of expanded into the kind of juice and uh, and meat industries as well so uh, unfortunately i can't name anyone today but uh, you guys are, are going to be finding out pretty soon watch the space absolutely um, perfect for entrepreneurs listening to this or people that are just at the place you've been back when you were in university that might see a big environmental or social problem, but there's a lot of technology to develop to solve it. And there's also like the question of the business model. Like what advice can you give those people from your own experience having solved this engineering problem, this chemical problem, as well as working out a business model making sense of it for everybody that's involved and actually creating incentives for people to care about this mm -hmm. so i think um the thing that i wish i'd spent more time on before i kind of jumped into just going all to, to all of these meetings and, and not even pausing to think how this would work as a business i wish i'd looked into why this hadn't been done like, successful in the past and i would have very quickly found out that it was because of cost so color changing labels have been kind of knocking around for a while now actually and Uh, but they were costing between five and fifty pence per label, and I, uh, I think that's just so such a difficult uh, price point to scale, uh, which is why we knew that we needed to like make ours make sense on a on a scalable, on a mass scale. So um, what I wish I'd done at the start is ask kind of producers like how much would you be willing to pay for this, and rather than just kind of going ahead with like developing uh, what I thought needed to be developed and actually working back from a price point that the market can bear is a really important learning that I found and, and in other industries it could be another reason that you know a technology has not been accepted or, or why is this problem not been solved before so really in taking the time to investigate that go to the right conferences speak to the key people in that industry I, I think that's probably the best advice that I give but also I would say a pinch of naivety um, doesn't go amiss because just the sheer enthusiasm you can have for something when you You're not kind of being shut down by, you know, people saying no. It's I think that can get you far as well. So basically, if you look at 
you know, companies selling a box of milk, they probably make a few cents of profit. Right. If at all, right? So you're asking them to give up some of that and trying to convince them that that will benefit them, right? So that's kind of the challenge that you had to solve, right? Yeah, I mean, milk is an interesting one. Like one in six pints get wasted globally. So actually, if you minimize that waste, you can actually claw back quite a lot of that value. Um, and, and we're helping companies and customers, you know, regular people unlock that value as well. And what we hope is that when people are w wasting less at home and we're helping them do that, they have the courage to buy better quality foods and, and food poverty is something that we talk about a, a lot at Mimica and it's a really important factor for us. So your journey has been a few years already, but if you look at the next 10 years, what kind of world are you trying to create with Mimica? What would you like to contribute to over the next 10 years? How, how do you envision Mimica then? So I think if Mimica succeeds, that everyone will know us as the global mark of freshness. It's going to be something reliable that you can trust. And what that means is that people would have a tool that would allow them to manage the one of the most precious resources we have on this planet, which is our food, and that everyone would have better information about when food is at its peak freshness in the palm of their hands. And I think that's a powerful thing to be heading to. It's an amazing journey. Thank you very much for your work. And I can't wait to see this on, on all my fresh products and in my fridge. So thank you very much. Thank you so much. This was Impact Hustlers. Impact Hustlers is brought to you by Fast Forward 2030 and Real Changers. Visit fastforward.com to learn how to include the global goals into your business model and realchangers.com to find talent and careers with impact. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, share the episode, leave us a review and consider becoming a supporter on buymeacoffee.com slash impacthustlers. This means a lot to me. Thank you very much for tuning in and see you next time. Bye.